We are stoked to tell you about our first sponsor, Anchor. If you're like us and you want to start a podcast but have no idea where to start, listen up. So when we first decided to start a podcast, we were looking for a way to put your brain on weird out to the most people um, without having to do the most work. We are so happy that we found Anchor because they distribute our show to apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts for us. This means that our listeners can find us wherever they already listen without having to download anything new. Once you're ready to get going, just create an account and start recording. They have the tools you need to record and edit your podcast. You can even edit on the go from your phone. Anchor has everything you could possibly want, including free transition sounds and photos that you can use to build your show. Not only that, but you can start making money as soon as you release your first episode. The best part is that all of this is free. So if you want to make a podcast, go to anchor.fm and get started today. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. By supporting them, you're supporting podcasts like us, too. Your Brain on Weird is recorded in private homes in a state where marijuana is recreationally legal. This show's content is intended for adult audiences only. Welcome back to your brain on weird. Happy Pride Month. Yay! It's June 1st. Yay! And for being an incredibly queer podcast, we're going to be celebrating by talking about gay ghosts. I don't know. I don't know. We might be. That would would have been a good idea. But uh, we're we're probably not going to do that this episode. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Oh, man. Maybe next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're your hosts, Sam. And I'm Sage. We're going to blow your minds today. With some weird stories and then some weed stories. Yeah. And it's going to be a good time. So hold on to your underwear. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that happens. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes your underwear just flies off. We can't help it. I'm sorry. At a surprise. <laughs> so how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks. I smoked half a blunt before we started, <laughs> as you know, but they don't. So they do now. <laughs> Sorry, I took quite a large bong hit uh, before we started, so that's okay. That's uh, what our show is literally about. Anyway, I'm great. I I don't know. I have, like, a lot of stuff to look forward to this week, I guess. I have, like, I have a job interview on Thursday for a job that I'm, like, really excited about, so fingers crossed. Yay! Fingers crossed. Yeah. And I'm, well... I guess this isn't exciting, but my car goes into the shop tomorrow, so, like... I think that's exciting. Yeah, it's like, we're gonna figure out what's wrong with my car and finally uh, get that shit figured out now that I have the money. (laughs) Yeah, woof. So, I guess I'm excited to get that figured out so I don't have to worry about it anymore. And yeah, I went camping again this past weekend, just for one night, but it was still nice. Yeah, that's basically it. Oh, I also had, like, a really good, uh, I guess I could say, divination session i don't know earlier uh i did like a tarot reading because i was like feeling really good and i was like uh i like put on some music and i was like dancing around and i was like having a great time and i was like you know what screw it i'm gonna pull a card shuffling while i was like dancing and you know how like i don't know sometimes when you're shuffling you split the deck and then you like you split the deck so you can like shuffle them together again yeah i like split the deck and i got like a glimpse of a card and i was like oh man, it would be really cool if it was this card. I was like, haha, like, that'd be really cool if I pulled that. And I was like shuffling and I was like, still like walking around my room dancing. And then I pulled a card and it was the card that I like had basically wanted. Wow. And it was the world. Wow. So great card. I was like, damn, I could really use to pull the world right now. Mm-hmm. That would be great. And then I got it. So that made me feel great. And then I got runes recently. So, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, very cool. yeah, they're so cool. They're made out of rose quartz, so they're <gasps> very nice. Very nice. Yes. And I just kind of like shook the bag and like dumped a couple out. I don't know how you're supposed to do it, but whatever. Divination has no rules, right? True. And I got Awaz E H W A Z. I'm very new to this, so I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but it means harmony. 
And then I got Wunjo, W-U-N-J-O, which is happiness. And I was like, hell yeah, vibing. So that just like made me uh, very stoked. And that was like right before we started recording. So I was just like, yeah, let's go. 100. 100. It's even cooler that I was like thinking about that card before I pulled it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. Definitely been there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We love that. Anyway, how are you? I'm good. Actually, I'm going to walk away for a second. Oh, okay. Okay, bye. <sighs> going to chug some coffee. Chug it. Okay. What I wanted to do was grab my new tarot deck because I oh, finally shit. got one. Oh, yeah. So. Yes. I'm so excited. I got the Black Tarot by Victoria Eva and... These cards are fucking gorgeous, first of all. Mm -hmm. They have, like, this really cool, like, paint pattern, I guess. Oh, cool. It looks like marble. Or water or marble or something like that. Um, And all the cards are, like, really, like, very, like, anatomical and effervescent. Um, It's really weird. And I've already had a couple very good pulls with it, and I'm very happy with it. And Yay! I'm very excited to use it more. So Hell yeah. So I'm that's very exciting. For you. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had uh, several extra days off for work for Memorial Day because Massachusetts lifted all of its restrictions. So we had to like rearrange, excuse me, our restaurant, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was very sad. And then Nick and I went to the grocery store on Sunday, for, which was the first time since the restrictions have gotten lifted. <gasps> And yeah, I, know I was panicking a yeah. little bit. <laughs> and I still had, like, my masks on and stuff. But, like, there was just, like, someone guy, like, walked by me without a mask and, like, coughed. And I was just like... <laughs> Dude, I know. I know. I think Jeff and I went on... Maybe it was also Sunday. No, 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 no. No, it was Saturday. We went on yeah. Saturday, like, around noon, I think. And, like... I don't know, maybe half the people there were wearing masks, but, like, yeah. I was oh, yeah. so uncomfortable that entire time. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, please don't get anywhere near me. Please don't touch me. Like, it was not a fun time, so I totally it get it. It was not a fun time. Uh, please keep wearing your masks for a little bit longer. Yeah, please. Um, most doctors are recommending at least another year. And I am here for that. Yeah. So. It's, like, not that big of an inconvenience, to be honest. I don't mind having to wear it. Yeah, me neither. So... In fact, I like it. That. So, yeah. So that's that. <laughs> well, the other thing is that, like, kids, like, still aren't vaccinated, first of all. Yeah, anyone under 16 still isn't vaccinated. Yeah, so that's already a huge problem. We all know that kids are, like, idiots because they're kids. They're gonna, like, cough all over the place and sneeze all over the place and shit. Yeah. That's the first issue. And then, like, the other thing is that, like, people can lie about being vaccinated. So even if it's like, oh, if you are vaccinated, you can go without a mask. People are just going to, like, go without a mask. And then if somebody says something, they're going to be like, I'm vaccinated. Like, they're going to lie because people are like that. So it's very stressful. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) Correct. So that's another reason why I was grateful for, like, four days off, because, like, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to do anything or see anyone, and I'm just, like... Good. Nice. Chilling. Vibing. And it's finally sunny today. Nice. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. yeah oh, there's yeah. been a little bit of sun, and it's been very nice after five days of clouds and miserableness. Mm-hmm. Misery! And it being, like, 40 degrees outside. Yeah, also that not fun jeff and i like went camping and we like basically just sat around and like drank the entire time because there's like nothing else to do oh oh my gosh we were all sitting outside and like it had just it had like stopped raining for a little bit but we were all sitting outside by the fire and you know how there's the like river that's right there Mm -hmm. first of all the river was like wicked high because it had rained a shit ton and all of a sudden, we just hear, like, yelling, like, down the river. And we, like, look. And these two guys are, like, tubing down the river. <laughs> and they have, like, they ha- each have, like, beers in each hand. Good for them. It was, like, 40 degrees outside. So it was definitely very, very cold. But, like, Jeff and I were talking about it afterwards. And he was, like, imagine that you made plans for Memorial Day thinking that it was going to be, like, 75 and sunny, because, like, that's normally what the weather's like. 
and then you got fucking rained on. And, like, that was the one thing you wanted to do, was you just wanted to go tubing down the river. And you got- Yeah, you, I guess- I guess I'd get drunk enough and yeah. maybe go in the river. I could you know? totally see us doing that. I could yeah. see us getting pissed enough about not being able to do something that we, like, get drunk and then we're like, you want to just do it? Let's just fucking do it. Like, let's just go. I mean, there was our friend's birthday party in, like, August and it was raining and we still went in the pool and we stayed, like, in the pool just, like, out of spite. Oh, yeah. 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 Because you're like, I'm like, not. No! Yeah. Like, I've been looking to, I'm looking forward to this. We've like, been- I'm not. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah and like the good thing is that they were like so drunk that they were just kind of like ragdolling like over all the rocks and shit because like yeah <laughs> you know how there's like that super rocky patch they just like yeah went right over that they were just whoop, <laughs> like whoop. flopping around <laughs> like, i love that for them it was very entertaining <laughs> to watch anyway <sighs> so there's yeah. that yeah, so there's that. And that's an update on life. How is your hydration level today? Not very good. I think I've only had like like 30 ounces, one big cup. I'm back to using my big cup. Big cup. Yeah, I think I've only had one of those. The reason why I say that is because I filled it this morning. I think I drank half of it and then I used the other half to water my plants. Oh, yeah. So, um, and then I refilled it and I'm only halfway done with it. So, yeah, I'm not doing great but that's okay there's still time the day is young yeah we started recording very early today so there Mm -hmm. is still time what about you i am doing uh i would say okay i have had a full bottle of water but i also had like several cups of coffee iced coffee Mm -hmm. at home and i've had a red bull oh i just finished my iced coffee so so i've had some extra hydration some additional hydration good but, good good uh, i should probably drink some more water yes but i was chugging it yesterday cuz i had a migraine so oh, yeah 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 that was me on like saturday because it was raining and i like yeah it was like, just pressure yeah. i was like oh that's exactly why it was for me yesterday too because it was like stormy and rainy yeah. and I was just like barometric pressure why you go to this why you go to this why you do this why you go do this why you go do this don't go do this <laughs> all right i'm done i'm gonna pull a card for myself <laughs> okay though. okay sounds so you great have any, anything else to say during this intermediate uh, intermediary no the only thing i wanted to say was happy pride month you already covered that so yeah. i'm just very excited it's june i love it mm-hmm. <sighs> also it's almost cancer season that's true which which i'm not gonna say i'm the most powerful during cancer season but i'm up there that might be my second most powerful season I okay have a lot of planets in cancer okay like four that makes sense well oh shit actually you just reminded me that was the one thing i was gonna talk about <laughs> what my gemini stellium makes it necessary for me to discuss that it is now gemini season yes <laughs> so yes it is now Gemini season, which actually means that I am now at my most powerful because I have four planets in, uh, or four placements in Gemini. Yep. So I'm going to be really annoying. Sorry. Nope, I'm not. <laughs> no, don't be. I pulled the three of swords for myself, which is apparently a sign of heartbreak, which is sad. But look at this cord. That's really cool. Weird. Uh-oh. Yeah. Much to think about. Okay. Maybe it's because I killed that baby bird the other day and I feel really guilty about it. That could be it. Yeah. It's like, it's okay. (laughs) Uh, Nick tried to rescue a baby bird and it sadly was super fucked up (laughs) already. Mm. And it died, but... That's so sad. Yeah. 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 And that's my story. And I'm very guilty because we named him. We named him Batman because he's a Robin. And (laughs) it's okay. It's not your fault. You tried. So thanks. Three of swords. (laughs) Really poignant. (laughs) All right. I'm done. I'm going to tell myself that that was it. Well, if it, I, I like to also think you give the context to your cards, right? And if that's the first thing that I thought of, yeah. then like, yeah, absolutely. That's what I gonna, yeah, I do the same thing. Although sometimes I'm just like, I'm gonna wait and see how this plays out, and then it normally ends up playing out pretty quickly. 
Yeah, so- <laughs> like sometimes I don't know what my cards mean and then I got fired from my job and I'm like, oh, this all makes sense. <laughs> yep. Anyways. Shit. Anyway. Are you ready to hear a story? I am. I'm going to relight my blunt. You do that. I actually am going to have a little bit of vape. Shit, it's clogged. Oh, no. That's okay. I don't need it. <clears throat> also, Nick and I are trying to go down and see Zan and Sophia the weekend of July 4th. Okay. I'm very excited. Worm. We're just trying to get away from the fireworks. Oof. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. it was Last year, it was miserable, and Nick and Ruben got a firecracker thrown at them. So what the shit? Okay. Reminder to everyone that fireworks are illegal in Massachusetts, but that doesn't matter. No, nobody cares. God damn it! There's lots of people scared in, of fireworks and who will get triggered by fireworks, so just don't shoot off fireworks. This has been a PSA a month beforehand. You have plenty of time to prepare now. Meaning, go and get tons of sparklers. Those are fun. Those are fun. Those are Those so are much fun. Those little pop things that you just throw oh, yeah. on the ground. Just don't throw them at each other. Or do, but make or sure do, you but- make sure you agree to it first. You know, say that we're gonna do. You know, what are they even <laughs> called? I don't know. Poppets. Poppets. That's better than the other thing that you could say. Yep. <laughs> it was like, nope. That's not it. Nope. Whoa. Nope. No. Yeah. Yes. No, that, literally, that's the first thing I think of because, like, I've worked in assisted living places. Is like. There are, like, veterans who, like, they hear the sound of fireworks. That's extremely triggering. Yeah. Hey, I know it was, like, Memorial Day, like, two days ago, but what if we trigger all of these these vets with fireworks? Yeah, seriously? God damn it. Thanks for fighting for our country. Let's just make this the most miserable day of the year for you. Yeah. Yikes. God fucking damn it. Okay, anyway. Anyways, I'm done. I'm sorry. It's okay. Got distracted. It's fine. People need the people need to know. They need That's to what know. I'm saying. Speaking of the people needing to know, my thing for this week is something that I didn't think I was going to want to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, and it's UFOs. Ooh. So, we've we've talked about UFOs a little bit with like Kelly Hopkinsville, Skinwalker Ranch, Betty and Barney Hill was like the big one. And like the government has basically at this point come out and acknowledged that UFOs exist, but, like, they won't say much else. They basically say, like, we know that there are things in the sky that we don't know what they are. And I don't really like to talk about it because of the community that surrounds UFOs and UAPs, I guess. I don't like calling them UAPs. Wap, but wap, wap, wap. Why? Why change it? Anyway. Wet-ass phenomena. I'm also, yes. I'm also, like, kind of bitter because the reason why I wanted to start this podcast or, like, what motivated me to want to start this podcast was Skinwalker Ranch. And, like, Jeremy Corbell is one of the people who was involved in Skinwalker Ranch and, like, did a lot of, like, a lot of the, like, really, like, put it on the map and got people aware of it and stuff like that. And he's just, like, turned into, like, I'm sorry, a huge douchebag. Like, I don't know how else to say it but like i i don't know either he like (laughs) he put up this i think it was a video i didn't watch it but the caption was okay it was on twitter and it said this is the truth this is a war of ideas and i ain't stopping on ufos till the bodies hit the floor and he was he was like kind of justifying it as like it's drowning pool lyrics it's drowning pool lyrics and yes like we all know it's drowning pool lyrics but like at the same time with the way that things are in the world right now, I don't think that you should be saying that you're, like, not going to stop till bodies hit the floor about UFOs. Like, it just made me so angry. And a lot of the people that, like, are surrounding that and, like, seeing that are like, yeah, like, totally, like, totally behind it. And I hate that. It makes me so mad. Yeah. Um, (sighs) So anyway, I got angry enough to where I decided I was going to talk about UFOs because the... UFO community is not very inclusive of women and trans people, and as a woman, I'm going to be very loud about UFOs. Suck it. Also, I did my fucking research, and we are not the kind of people to sit here and say that we know what's going on. We, like, know that we don't fucking know. So if you, like, want me if to get to the end of the story and tell you that, like, UFOs do, and do or don't exist, like, don't listen to our podcast. Anyway. Yes. What we do here is wildly speculate. Exactly. We say it every time. (sighs) 
I'm done being mad. Okay. I want to talk about the Roswell incident because I'm from New Mexico and it's literally very close to home for me. And I guess I like didn't really know that much about it because I didn't really take the time to research it. Like we've driven through Roswell before, but like didn't stop at the museums or anything. Yeah. So we are going to place ourselves in 1947. This was during like, there was a whole like flying saucer craze around this time, basically. Mm. There were a few like smaller incidents that like led up to Roswell. So like people were like already freaking out about it. And in June or July, so actually this was 75 miles from Roswell. It wasn't even like in Roswell. Like 75 miles is like- That's a lot. A long way away. It was actually in Corona, New Mexico. So I don't know. But there was a rancher named Mac Brazel, B-R-A-Z-E-L. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Who was walking around his sheep pasture and he discovers some unusual debris. There was a mass of metallic sticks that were held together with tape chunks of plastic and foil reflectors. And there was a ton of scraps of this like really heavy, glossy paper almost. Ooh, gross. Yes. The tape thing is like what weirds me out. Apparently, apparently some of the tape had like flowers on it. Like it's like if you like had du- like the printed duct tape that just like has yeah. like zebra stripes on it. Like that's what it reminded me of. So Wow, my UFO is held together by duct tape and dreams. Yes. <laughs> Oh, so originally he didn't pay that much attention to it, but later he brought his wife and his daughter over to kind of help him pick up some of the debris because it was like basically trash on his like property. And apparently later accounts from the rancher's son and his neighbor said that this like material that they were picking up was like extremely strong. So they were like trying to bend it and like trying to manipulate it and they like couldn't. There was another witness that said that the material was like it had some kind of weird writing on it and it like almost looked like Egyptian hieroglyphics, but it didn't look like anything that you would find on earth. Like it wasn't like pictures of animals or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Which by the way, hieroglyphics, hieroglyphs was the word I was trying to remember when I was talking about the snakes thing, like the horns, the like horned snake God or whatever. I was trying to remember what hieroglyphs, the word hieroglyphs. So on July 6th, this guy took this debris to the sheriff in Roswell, George Wilcox. So I think that's why this ended up being like the Roswell incident, because he ended up taking it to Roswell for some reason. That's probably the closest police station, yeah, honestly. Probably. <laughs> in the 1940s. Yeah. Um, so the sheriff contacted Major Jesse Marcel from the Roswell Army Airfield. And the next day, the RAAF went to the rancher's land, gathered the debris, and whisked it off in armored trucks, it said. Ooh. Ooh. And this major, Jesse Marcel, he later said that the debris was, it didn't look like anything that was made on Earth. So he was like already commenting on like how weird it was. And then there was a press release that the RAAF put out saying that a quote flying disc had been retrieved from a local ranch. And so the Roswell Daily Record picked that up and printed a story with the headline, RAAF captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region. So of course, like everybody's seeing that in the newspaper and like freaking out even more. So I don't know whether this is true. And this is like kind of a theme with this whole thing I noticed is that the information is just all over the place. I don't know what's made up and what's not, but apparently the debris was taken to Fort Worth to be inspected and the military announced almost immediately that this saucer had actually been a weather balloon. So there was a message sent to the FBI from Fort Worth that quoted a major on July 8th saying, quote, the disc is hexagonal in shape and was suspended from a balloon by cable, which balloon was approximately 20 feet in diameter or six meters. Uh, Major Curtin further advises that the object resembles a a high altitude weather balloon with a radar reflector, but that telephonic conversation between their office and Wright Field had not borne out this belief. So it's like very vague and like cryptic, but I think like what does it, what did it for me was like, it resembles a weather balloon. So their justification for it was that the balloon was carrying a radar target that was made of foiled paper fastened to a balsa wood frame. However, everybody had seen the debris. Everyone who had seen the debris was insistent that it was not a weather balloon. 
So the Roswell Morning Dispatch then released a story with the headline, quote, Army debunks Roswell flying disc as world simmers with excitement. And the article included an interview with the rancher who uh, also didn't believe that it was a weather balloon. So like, nobody really like, believed that it was actually a weather balloon from the start. And the other thing is that that like weird radar target thing, I think that a lot of people didn't know what that was. So like, it could have been that. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, how many people actually know what a weather balloon looks like? Yeah, that's. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know what a fucking weather balloon looks like. But anyways, later in the ni- late nineteen seventies, Jesse Marcel admitted in an interview with UFO researcher Stan Friedman that the weather balloon account had been a cover story. He subsequently was interviewed on the TV series In Search of, where he described his participation in the nineteen forty seven press release. So this is the. Uh, the guy from the RAAF who had like sent them to go pick up the debris. So he said, quote, they wanted some comments from me, but I wasn't at liberty to do that. So all I could do is keep my mouth shut. And General General Ramsey is the one who discussed, told the newspapers, I mean, the newsmen, what it was and to forget about it. It is nothing more than a weather observation balloon. Of course, we both knew differently. And so this whole thing just like sent ufologists and conspiracy theorists into like a frenzy. And everyone was, like, ah. freaking out. And then, in 1980, Charles Berlitz and William L. Moore published The Roswell Incident. So basically, it was a book that labeled this whole incident as being a cover story and explained why. Ooh, um, yeah. So these two guys in this book argued that the original debris had actually been taken to Dayton, Ohio, and that the material from a weather balloon had been, quote, hastily substituted. Oh, okay. I don't know... By whom? ...where they got that information. (laughs) But basically, their whole explanation is... Okay, picture this. An alien craft is flying over the New Mexico desert, observing U.S. nuclear weapons activity, but it gets hit by lightning, and it crashes, and it kills all of the aliens on board. And the debris is recovered but then it's substituted with debris from a weather device as part of a cover-up. And according to historian Kathy Olmsted, this has become version one of the Roswell story. The book also claimed that witness intimidation was used in the investigation. Um, it said that the rancher was even incarcerated for a period of time. I don't know like where that information came from. Wow, people are just like really making whatever they want up, that's, I feel like. That's like kind of the whole theme of this is that you don't really have evidence for anything it's mostly just like people saying stuff yeah and there are people other people to back it up but like okay so so here's the thing so the author the authors of this book burlitz and Moore, uh said that they interviewed over 90 witnesses um there are 25 that appear in the book seven of those 25 claimed to have seen the debris and five claimed to have handled it yeah, so everyone else was just... Saying stuff, basically. Saying stuff, yeah. Yeah. But what made it intriguing was that this book connected Roswell to other incidents in the area. So it was June 26th, which was actually right before... Yeah, it was right before the Roswell incident. June 26th, the Kenneth Arnold sighting. So Kenneth Arnold was a pilot and a private pilot and he was flying through washington and he saw this like string of nine objects flying over mount rainier and he like told his friend later and apparently he also told his airport manager and like his airport manager like didn't believe him but um apparently his friend like went and told a bunch of people and the next day he got interviewed by a bunch of reporters and people like stopped being skeptical of him because he like had all of the makings of like a reliable witness like he was really like honest like he didn't seem like he was making anything up and so like that was one of the big sightings that like got a lot of publicity and the people just like believed him the second one was that there was a guy named grady l barnett who was working near socorro new mexico in the 1940s when he apparently encountered a disc-shaped spaceship Um, It was the color of dirty stainless steel and about 20 to 30 feet in diameter, and it had been split open. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is something that he, like, told his friends. 
So, like, oh, okay. he was basically just him being like, hey, this crazy thing happened to me to a bunch of his friends. And apparently there was a small group of archaeologists from a university that were also nearby, conveniently, and they encountered the crash site. So, like, all these people were, like, standing there. So this thing had been split open, and there were four bodies inside. Everybody said it was unlike anything they had ever seen. They were, like, humanoid, but they, like, definitely weren't human. They were only, like, three and a half to four feet tall, and they were, like, super thin, stereotypical grays. Their eyes were, like, oddly shaped, like, super, like, weirdly spaced. Um, They didn't have any hair on their heads, and they wore one-piece grayish suits with no belts or zippers. Love that. The with no belts or zippers thing, I was like, why is that important information? And then I, like, thought about it, and I was like, then how did they get it on? (laughs) It's just like a skin suit. You just stretch into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Huh. They had spandex. Very stretchy They were styling. It's like the stories of, like, Indrid Cold that you hear, where he's, like, wearing, like, a sparkly... Like yes. outfit underneath his suit or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they just ha- they have had spandex for longer than we have, mm-hmm. and they know how cool it is. I bet it's sustainable too. I bet they like recycle it. Oh, come yeah. on, come on. Anyway, I'm saying, I'm saying. Um. So anyway, so soon after these people, just random civilians showed up. Um. Soldiers in armored trucks started arriving and told everyone to leave. And apparently they were told that it was their duty to the country not to say anything about what they'd seen. Oh. So. Fuck this country to the news station. Well, okay. So here's the thing is that Barnett, I'm sure, is no longer alive. I didn't look it up, but it seems like he's no longer alive. So Stanton Friedman, who's the UFologist, he was approached by Vern and Jean Maltese, who were the friends that Barnett had originally told his story years before and they believed him because he was a world war one army vet he had worked for the government for many years and he was a highly regarded member of his community and his story was backed up by other people who knew barnett such as his neighbor his close friend his boss and his niece so once like stanton friedman caught hold of this he started researching it more and found that more people were able to like say like oh yeah he told me this story too oh he's actually a reliable source yeah interesting yeah, yeah, yeah okay So this is kind of cool. So on September 20th, 1989, there was an episode of Unsolved Unsolved Mysteries that included secondhand stories of Barnett seeing alien bodies captured by the army. And there was a mortician named Glenn Dennis who called the Unsolved Mysteries hotline and said that on, I think it was probably on that day, he had gotten four or five calls from the airbase asking questions about body preservation. Oh, shit. And apparently they had uh, inquired about small caskets. So. That's pretty funny. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Actually, this really weird thing happened to me. And it really stood out to me because of how weird it was. See, that's the but thing. Now this is there's context for this. And I think I can help. See? Yes. Like, okay, that's thank wild you. to me. So the next thing I was going to say is that, um, oh, shit, it's 420. I was just going to say, it's 420. We should blaze it. Oh, fuck. I don't think I have time. That's okay. I'll do it later. It's 420 somewhere. Okay, I'll just say this. A lot of people say that this Glenn Dennis guy, this mortician, is not a credible witness because he waited over 40 years to say something. But, like, you literally just explained why he probably waited 40 years to say something. Was because he was like, that was really weird. Like, what the hell? Like, And then he, like saw the Unsolved Mysteries episode and was like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... He just, like, held on to this really weird thing that happened to him at work one time and then, like, finally, like, had something to put it to and, like... That's, like, what Unsolved Mysteries wild. is, like, basically yes. for, is, like, is for telling stories so that people who experience weird stuff like that and don't, like, can't explain it can be like, oh, fuck, like, that's how a lot of like murderers and shit get caught is people can like yeah. like suddenly remember weird interactions they had with like people like that yeah so, yeah so anyway people say he's not a credible witness but i'm i'm behind him i'm behind him on that because it sounds wild yeah 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 so this whole incident with the the alien bodies they ended up calling it so it happened near Socorro, New Mexico, but they ended up calling it something else. I don't remember what it was. Not the Socorro incident? No, because he 
this Barnett guy didn't want people to know exactly where it happened, so he kept telling people that it happened somewhere else. God damn it. Oh, so he said it happened in the plains of St. Augustine. That's where he said it happened. So that ended up being called, like, the plains of St. Augustine incident or something. And there was a report that was released in 1992 by the J. Allen Hynek Center for UFO Studies and the Fund for UFO Research all about this incident. And it was 90 pages long. I like went to go read it because I was like, oh, if it's like a report, you know, short report, I could like totally read it today and like, you know, talk about it. And I looked, it was like literally 90 pages and I was like, I'm not reading this. That is a long ass report. Holy shit. Yeah. So maybe later, but like it was enough for them to like write out a fucking 90 page report on it i don't know i just think that's wild so this is another one that happened before roswell and it happened in aztec new mexico where two men claimed to have found an unidentified aerial craft containing 16 humanoid bodies oh shit um they also claimed that the ufo was 99 feet in diameter which is the largest ufo to date still that's why it would need 14 fucking humanoids 16 16 fucking humanoids to Uh pilot it Uh uh-huh so these two men said that it had been recovered by the military of course and the story was first published by frank scully in 1949 and claimed that the saucers came from venus they worked on magnetic principles and every dimension of the craft was divisible by nine Fun story. I accidentally made my garden outside exactly nine by nine feet. Nice. It is a perfect square that I did on accident that is nine by nine feet. Did it come from Venus? It might have. It might have. It might also work on magnetic principles. Your garden might be a UFO. (gasps) Oh my God. I knew it this entire time. Perfect. It does look like it. There's like a little greenhouse over it, so. Hmm. It does kind of look like a UFO. Some UFO researcher is going to drive by your house and freak out. They're going to be like, (gasps) anyway. Oh, so the other fun thing about this is that these two men had apparently been traveling through Aztec, New Mexico, attempting to sell devices called doodlebugs. Doodlebugs? Yes. Yes. Um, They were devices that could find oil, gas, and gold. And they claimed that they had recovered this technology from that crash oh i see and they were like trying to sell it so oh i see yes it was a scam it was a huge hoax so but it did happen in 1948 so it kind of helped push everybody into freaking out about ufos (laughs) yeah and then in the 1950s apparently we found out so this was before they wrote the roswell incident book so i think that this was in the roswell incident but Um, In in the 1950s, we found out that the Air Force had been conducting a series of, of, quote, dummy drops over air bases, test ranges, and unoccupied fields in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was meant to test ways for pilots to survive falls from high altitudes. So they basically sent these dummies that were made out of latex skin, quote, and aluminum bones. um, And they just, like, basically dropped them out of the sky and then they would send military vehicles to the landing site and collect the quote bodies as fast as they could interesting it sounds like fucking uh mythbusters yeah it's like crash test dummies but the thing is is that like hardcore conspiracy theorists think that these dummies were actually aliens that had been kidnapped and like the government was experimenting on them by dropping them at it. I don't know. Wild. That is wild. Yes. Listen, ethics were a little shaky in the 50s, but yeah, that but seems <laughs> like a little much. It just goes from like one extreme to the next. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so between the 1950s and the 1980s, this whole thing kind of like dropped off. And then after the Roswell incident got published, there were these memos that surfaced that were classified and they were about MJ-12 or Majestic 12, which was a secret operation launched by President Truman to handle the Roswell incident. Those documents were determined to be fake and there wasn't any evidence of it. So that ended up being worthless. Worthless. And that was in 1984. Um, And then in 1991, Kevin Randall and Donald Schmidt 
published UFO Crash at Roswell, which added testimony from 100 new witnesses. And all of these witnesses apparently reported this really elaborate military operation at the ranch that uh, happened after the crash. And there was one claim that there was a second crash on the ranch that, like, nobody had talked about. Um, They also mentioned accounts of, like, more alien corpses that were found. Just, like, all this, like, new crazy stuff. Um, And then in 1992, so it's, like, all coming back in the 90s. Everyone's, like, freaking out about it. Which I think is hilarious, because I was born in 1994, and, like, it was, like, literally in the middle of everyone freaking out about Roswell. And I remember growing up as a kid in New Mexico and remembering everyone just, like, losing their minds over Roswell. So I just thought that was wicked funny. But anyway, so... That is pretty good. So in 1992, Stanton Friedman published Crash at Corona, which doubled the number of flying saucers to two, and backed up the claim that alien bodies had been found. He even claimed that claimed that some of them had been taken away for Dwight D. Eisenhower to view himself. That is a bold claim. Yes. But you know, who knows? Maybe he was like, I want to see the alien. I mean, I guess. <laughs> if I was the president, I would want to see the alien. That's the thing, right? Like, okay, yeah, let's fucking go. Uh, anyway, uh, so in 1994 the year I was born, the Air Force admitted that the recovered material from Roswell was actually a U.S. spy balloon. So finally, in 1994, the Air Force says, well, actually, no, you got us. It wasn't a weather balloon. It was actually a spy balloon. Apparently, what it was was a 700-foot-long string of balloons, reflectors, and, like, other weird devices that they had launched from Alamogordo, which is, like, a nearby town in June of 1947 and then it crashed in July of 1947 and it was part of Project Mogul which was an attempt to monitor anticipated nuclear tests by the Soviet Union and this is actually kind of cool if it's like real but it doesn't sound real Um, they used these spy balloons to carry low frequency sound sensors to the tropopause which is a part of the Earth's atmosphere that is basically like a sound channel. And they thought that they could like eavesdrop on the Soviet Union using that. Oh, interesting. So they like invented a bunch of weird like high tech materials for this project, thinking that they could like use the atmosphere to like listen to the Soviet Union. Like, that's wild. Isn't that insane? I bet in the 40s that would get funding, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you know what? Sure, try it out. Yeah, let's fucking do it. (laughs) But that's like the thing is that they probably got all this funding and invented a bunch of like weird materials that nobody had ever used before. And so if something like that did crash and some random guy found it, he would be like, what the fuck is this? This isn't like normal aluminum foil. This is like heavy. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So again, I can see like, it's like all over the place. So anyway, the project, Project Mogul was... Apparently highly classified, which was why the Rosme Ar- uh, Roswell Army Airfield didn't know what it was. That was what they said. So apparently there were even some officials on the base that were worried that it had been a Russian spy plane. And they were like freaking out about that. Yeah. So basically the weather balloon explanation was like the most plausible explanation and it was like the easiest thing for them to come up with on such short notice they like didn't know what to do so they were just like it's a weather balloon interesting uh so that's 1994 1995 i want i don't i'm wondering if you've seen this there was a 17 minute video that apparently showed the dissection of an alien corpse from the roswell incident yes my science teacher in sixth not sixth grade ninth grade my high school science teacher showed us that wow really yeah it was wild oh my god it's also very poorly filmed yeah quite on purpose i haven't seen like the whole thing but i have watched like bits and pieces of it yeah very strange the story was that this footage had been supplied to the director of the film by a retired military cameraman who wished to remain anonymous And that was, like, where it came from. But then in 2006, director Ray Santilli admitted that the film was a staged reconstruction of footage he claimed to have viewed in 1992. 
Oh. Um, he even claimed that a few frames from the original were embedded in the film, but he never specified which ones. So, like, he admitted that it was fake, but he also said, no, 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 but I watched the real one, and it's based on the real one. And actually, there's a few pieces of it that are in the film, but I'm not going to tell you which ones. So, like... <laughs> All of these hoaxes are, like, making people more interested in Roswell because people just keep, like, jumping on it to, like, add more shit to it and, like, hype it up even more. In 1997, there was a thousand-page Air Force report called the Roswell Report, Case Closed, and it literally came from the United States Air Force. Like, the United States Air Force was, like, done with this. They were like, we don't want to fucking talk about this anymore. Case closed. Um... (laughs) And so this thousand-page report said that the alien bodies recovered could have been crash test dummies. They could have even been severely injured airmen. There were even some claims that bodies were charred. And they threw in there that there was an airplane crash in the 1950s and, like, people could have witnessed that. Basically, they said that, like, all of these witnesses had consolidated all of these separate events in their memories and put it all together as being a part of Roswell. Interesting. Which, like, I guess I can see, especially, like, if everyone's already freaking out about UFOs. Yeah, I can imagine getting on in years and not really knowing if it happened in February or July, you know, Mm -hmm. when you witnessed that weird thing. Yeah. what year. (laughs) Yeah. But even then, it's like, even if you did witness something weird and it wasn't Like, where are these stories coming from? Like, did people still see something weird and, like, think that it was enough for them to say something? Because there's, like, hundreds of witnesses. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. Both both sides of that are interesting to think about. Yeah. I think the most wild theory is... I, like, don't even want to talk about it because it's just, like, horrendous. Just this whole theory is, like... Did I write down who it was that came up with this? Author Annie Jacobson... So she wrote in a, in a book that this, okay, so this is her theory. The Roswell craft was neither from space, nor was it the work of the U.S. government. It was actually a plan to introduce panic to the American public implemented by Joseph Stalin. And apparently there was an engineer at Area 51 who had told the author that the program had been designed by Nazi concentration camp Dr. Joseph Mengel, Mengel, whatever, don't care. He's an asshole. And according to this source, adolescent children were deformed by the Soviets to resemble aliens and then deployed in an aircraft that would fly over the desert. The plan was for the children to climb out and be mistaken for visitors from Mars. And then this is a quote, panic would ensue and America's early warning radar system would be overwhelmed with sightings of other UFOs. So there's that. Wow. What, what, when did that theory come out? Wow, I didn't, that's the one thing I didn't write the date on. I don't know, let me look, hold on. I think probably like in the 90s or something. Area 51, an uncensored history of America's top secret military base. Wow, it has really good reviews for some reason. 2012. Oh, interesting. So actually relatively recent. Yep, 2012. Interesting. It's a national bestseller, so... I don't know. She might have some, uh... Well, now I'm curious. Who are the... What kinds of people are rating this book? Let's see. I would also like to know. (gasps) Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm very glad I looked. Shout out to Andrew. The very first review of this book. Great book with one very strange claim. So, basically, this person says... It was a very enjoyable book. It's about Area 51. It gives you good and necessary background about the Cold War. Blah, 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 blah. Whole paragraph about other stuff. Now for the bad. If you do any searching for Annie Jacobson in this book, a lot of what you'll find is detail. A lot of what you'll find is details on the biggest claim in this book. That would be what really happened at Roswell in 1947. Consider this a spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. What crashed at Roswell was a type of drone aircraft built by the Soviets, apparently manned by deformed children that had been offered blah, 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 blah. Stalin wanted to recreate the type of panic Orson Welles did with his War of the Worlds broadcast. Uh, that ridiculous load of crap is the one real complaint I have with this otherwise amazing and exhaustively researched book. Wow. 
An enjoyable read, great insight into a lot of classified projects, great sources, but with just one terrible crackpot-like explanation for Roswell. Maybe the craziest I've heard so far. The next review literally says, Finally, the theory at the end of the book about Roswell is absurd at best. She should have left that out. Literally, I wonder why she put yeah. that in there. So yeah, apparently, so it's, weird. apparently it's a good book, but like everyone's saying that that part is like ridiculous. I'm glad I looked that up now. Very weird. What I was going to say, and what like Wikipedia and the first one to two pages of Google said, is that researchers agree that there's no evidence of this and that it's highly unlikely. So, um, yeah. I'm almost done. I just That's have, okay. I just have two quotes that I thought really summed up this whole thing. So there's okay. uh, UFO re- researcher Carl T. Flock, who says... <clears throat> The case for Roswell is a classic example of the triumph of quantity over quality. The advocates of the cra- of the crash saucer tale simply shovel everything that seems to support their view into the box marked evidence and say, see, look at all this stuff. We must be right. Never mind the contradictions. Never mind the lack of independent supporting fact. Never mind the blatant absurdities. Okay. That's, yeah. Yep. That sounds like what's happening. And then there's another person, Cal Korf, who says, this is my favorite. The UFO field is comprised of people who are willing to take advantage of the gullibility of others, especially the paying public. Let's not pull any punches here. The Roswell UFO myth has been very good for business for UFO groups, publishers for Hollywood, the town of Roswell, the media, and ufology. The number of researchers who employ science and its discipline methodology is appallingly small. Ha! So. That's so funny. Call them out, man. Yeah. So I guess my, uh... My whole point with this is that I don't trust the government regardless. It seems like the information was kind of all over the place, even down to the location. Actually, um, the weirdest thing was that when I looked up the location, like there were all kind, like it did say Corona, like it happened in Corona, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. But I found a, a range of like blah, blah, blah miles outside of Roswell. Like somebody said 10 miles outside of Roswell. Somebody said 30, somebody said 60, and then like it was 75. And then I looked up directions and it was like 130. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. And then like, there seems to be like some confusion about when the debris was recovered, whether it was June or July, like nobody really knows when it was. We just know it happened in late June or early July. So like, we just don't have enough documentation. So even if it did happen, people have already blown this up and like made up so much shit about it that like the real what really happened has already just been muddied so much it like doesn't even matter anymore yeah and that like sucks like that pisses me off um but it is still the world's most famous most exhaustively investigated most thoroughly debunked ufo claim wow okay yeah yeah i guess last thing i should say is that this whole thing does benefit roswell a lot Because in in 1992, the International UFO Museum and Research Center opened. And, like, I do think this is really cool, I have to say. Apparently, there's a a library in that museum, and it has 7,000 books, 1,500 DVDs, 30,000 magazines, periodicals, pamphlets, and more related to UFOs. So they, like, basically have a library of, like, UFO claims. That's pretty cool. I think is really fucking sick. And I think it's like actually really important that they like gather that information. So I think that's cool. And their exhibits include info on the Roswell incident. They have exhibits on crop circles, ancient astronauts, abductions, and more. And it is designed to encourage visitors to ask questions. Oh. Mm. Ooh. I love that. Yeah. So we drove by the last time we were like, near Roswell, but I definitely want to go now, now that I know that they have just, like... A shit ton of references. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Roswell also has the annual UFO festival. That started in 1996. And they have a uh, flying saucer-inspired McDonald's. Oh, yeah, I've seen pictures of the McDonald's. Jeff and I I actually stopped at it when when we drove through. That was the one place we did stop. And I think it was actually because we like wanted to get out and stretch our legs. Like I don't even think we went in. I think we were just like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's just like I gotta here. take a raging piss or something, yeah, like. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> um, oh, they also have alien themed streetlights. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's like this weird, I guess, art installation kind of. It's like a UFO that's like broken down on the side of the road, and there's like a stranded like alien family that's like ah. 
so I don't know. They're having fun with it. And, uh, I love that for them. Yeah, I you know I do kind of love that for them because like it's what else are you gonna like market yourself as uh, as a town in the middle of the fucking desert? That's the thing. Like, I get like, it too. It's like New Mexico is so fucking cool, and not a lot of people go there. So like I'm okay with them benefiting from this somehow, especially if they're just like collecting reports and like collecting all the documentation on UFOs. Like yeah, that's sick. So I support them. I do not, however, support. Uh, people just like making up lies about things that happened for their yeah. personal gain. So fuck that. Don't fuck do that. that. Also, I do not support yelling about bodies hitting the floor in reference to UFOs. I also don't support people in the UFO community being misogynistic and everything things. else. Among other things. Among other things. Nazi sympathizers, white supremacists, transphobic, etc., yes. etc. Yes. So let's yeah. let's change that. You know what? I'm gonna put the offer. I I put the offer out kind of on Twitter vaguely. If you are not a man, I'm sorry. G- the men who are good. If you are not a man, if you are a woman, if you are a trans person, and you would like to come on the show, and you would like to tell a story about UFOs or something related to that, or even like really anything, because the whole entire paranormal field is very heavily dominated by men, and uh, we have had a lot of men on our show, and I'd like to mix it up a bit, so open offer if anybody wants to come on and talk about weird stuff who is not a man. I would love that. (laughs) As much as we loved having Tim Banal. And we'll probably I, have you know, him again. That's you know? the thing. But it's like, I love Tim. I love Seth. I love Jeff, obviously. But, you know, if you are worried to be a voice because of that, like, please don't be. Because, like, if you want to be the person who talks about this stuff, you, like, can be. You know? Like, you don't have to let some guy overpower you. Yeah. Yep. Ugh, I feel like that happens all the time. Ain't that the truth. Anyway, I'm done. Okay, wow. Well, thank you so much. That was really informative. You're welcome. I love that. I'm sorry it was really long. I just uh, wanted to make sure I got all of the information so that none of the disclosure bros came at me and was like, actually. (laughs) Well, actually. Well, actually. Yeah, Yeah, fuck you. All right. Well, you want to lighten things up? Yes. All right. Well, I'm not going to. Um, So. Poop. Ha ha. No, I am. Okay. So it's Pride Month. And it's very important to remember that Pride was built on the back of Black trans women. So, Mm -hmm. today I'm going to talk about how to, this article is called, How to Show Up for Women and Minorities in Cannabis. So, how we're going to talk about, like, putting words to our action and actually, like, supporting queer and women Black-owned cannabis businesses. Fuck yeah, okay. So. That sounds great. All right. So one of the the important like most important things is is that cannabis is very directly related to health and healthcare and it being used as like a medicine and stuff and it's very unfortunate that in this country women and especially black women have their feelings and pain pushed aside by doctors and not taken seriously and this is like studied this is not just me making things up this is like this is a fact it's still like being taught in some med schools that black people don't feel pain the same way as white people do and that's not true that is whoa uh really racist yeah oh my god okay disgusting thing that is unfortunately still prevalent i did not know that. and doctor and like older doctors who went to school 40 50 years ago and they were taught that they still believe that you know that's what they still think and i'm sure they're teaching the people underneath them that too and like passing it on yeah exactly so we need to start having that conversation a little bit more and especially when it comes to um, black people in cannabis and how they are disproportionately punished for possession and stuff. And the fact that they have no other treatment options when it comes to 
medicinal care because the doctors don't believe them. And it's, like, really fucked up that it's, like, systematic that we are oppressing black women and minorities. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure that if you, like, if you, like, were to do what, like, Jeff and I did and, like, try and go get your medical card, it wouldn't be as easy of a process. Like, Jeff and I already got enough shit when we went in to go get our medical cards. Yeah. So, like, I can't imagine what it would be like for someone who isn't white. Like... Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of the first things that we can do is help women gain access to capital and resources for cannabis businesses. So, that really means, like donating and giving up uh giving money to women who have fought like for equal ownership of their own money you know Mm -hmm. and it's statistically less likely that a black person is going to reach an executive role and own like a successful business because of racism still pertinent in america so giving and like donating our time and our business and our money and like stuff and making sure that we go out of our way to support women-owned businesses is like first and foremost like the main thing that we can do to support women and minorities in cannabis Mm -hmm. and we've like talked about this before but like it matters where you buy your stuff from like if you have several dispensaries in your area it's really easy to look up and see like are they locally owned are they a corporation are they run by women or are they run by just like some ceo Mm -hmm. who doesn't even live in the state and has 17 other stores you know yeah um and it's very easy to tell too i mean you just like go on the dispensary's website if you just like scroll to the bottom or like look at their about page it's very easy to tell because businesses who are small businesses dispensaries will tell you who the owner is what their background is they'll be like very transparent about it yeah yeah so, exactly yeah and of course the other thing is give women and minorities the platform to speak and not try to speak for them and so i guess we'll try to do our best to link some resources for further education and stuff directly from women in the uh, cannabis industry Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we follow a few on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, um, um, another thing that we can do is... What? Spotify just, like, opened itself. Anyway. Oh, interesting. Uh, another thing that we can do is continue to um, challenge our beliefs and perspectives and take the time to do your own research on things whether it is just looking up like how your dispensary is owned or like who grows your weed or if there's someone else like that that is an alternative that maybe you can go and do that but that's like your responsibility and basically the only other thing we can do is try to put our time and effort into helping end the drug war quote unquote mm-hmm. um obviously we know black and native people get arrested in regards to weed like disproportionately compared Mm -hmm. to others so it's really important that we use the power that we have to try to end the injustice that we see Mm -hmm. the first one that comes to mind is the last prisoner project that's like a big one yes the last prisoner project is like huge thank you good good recall off the top of your head yeah well jeff and i were talking about it the other day because he we were like literally just talking about it in the car which is great. I love dating somebody that, like, we just, like, have those conversations in the car. Just, like, casually yeah. about, like, how fucked up our system is. And he was like, oh, yeah, like, what's that one? He was, like, trying to remember it. And I was like, oh, Last Prisoner Project. I, like, knew it right off the top of my head. And so we were, like, talking about it. Yes. It's the only reason why I remember because Jeff and I were talking about it, like, two days ago. Well, definitely Do donate that. to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we will try, we will try to uh, compile a list of, you know, some black women, trans people resources that you can go to yeah and post that worm (sighs) yeah thank you for that you're welcome thank you for your story this has been a very educational weird brain it has been it It has has been been. it's it's been an info dump (sighs) or at least or at least for me it was that's okay well now we can go enjoy the sun ah yes it is five right now wow it's still so early this is the time we normally start recording exactly see all right great
Well, if you liked what you heard, you can go to our website, which is yourbrainallweird.com. There, you can find our merch and also our submission box. If you have any creepy stories or UFO stories or anecdotes or anything like that, send them to us. We would love to hear them. We would love to read them. And then buy our merch because it's cool. And yes. subscribe to our Patreon if you like what you hear and you want to support us because that's the only way we do. We want to try to go on some ghost foraging trips soon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So help us do that. And anything else? I don't think so. Oh, follow us on Twitter just in case I end up posting stuff. Oh, yeah. Related to what we just talked about on there. It's weird underscore pod. Yes. Well, that was great. Thanks that again. was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week. I'm Sam. I'm Sage. And this has been Your Brain on Weird. Goodbye. Oh, Goodbye. Ducky, duck.